Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And, Laurie, people say health is wealth. There is no health without mental health. It is an important part of one's overall health and well-being. We often hear the word mental health brought up in the news and in our communities, but it can be difficult to dig deeper and dig into everything that the term entails. Mental health can affect daily life, relationships, and even one's physical health. That's right, John. Mental health is wealth. And dealing with so many people over, over so many years, it's really important to stay focused on the well-being of each individual client that we're dealing with. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really felt it was important to do a show based on this. We did a segment on CKNW a couple of weeks ago as well and had a lot of positive feedback that we're bringing awareness to this topic. There's a real stigma around mental health, unfortunately, and treatment has long existed for many people. They reach out or if loved ones uh, reach out to professionals and really start that change. Some people are still hesitant to seek help or even talk about it with their loved ones for fear of being judged and facing some sort of backlash. So, you know, I really do believe that it's important that one can openly communicate about their mental health. And so we appreciate uh, our guests joining us today. This week on Ready, Set, Retire, we are joined by Lana Gowler from Rainforest Counseling. Lana came to be a mental health professional after going through her own journey and truly coming to understand and being able to empathize with others. Lana is not only a registered therapeutic counselor, but a personal growth workshop facilitator, open-hearted speaker, and a woman of integrity, passion, and heart. And Lana, it's great to have you on Ready, Set, Retire. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for that warm welcome. I know your path to becoming a therapeutic counselor was uh, quite the journey. Can you walk us through what that was like for you? Well, it was a journey, as you say. I um, spent some time as a licensed practical nurse, and then I moved into the occupational therapy department, and then into recreation therapy, and I ended my last uh, 22 years working in psychiatry with uh, people with acute mental illnesses uh, as a recreation therapist, which was a, a great great joy for me and then when I looked at my retirement because I started working very young I looked at my retirement and thought what can I do and this time in my life I was having a difficult time managing and I didn't even realize that I was struggling probably with a low-grade depression and I didn't really know how to what to do because like a lot of the people that we work with mental health had its stigma in my family especially so and some of the rules in my family were that you don't ask for help or you're perceived as less than or not worthy of even asking for help so I did reach out and 
I asked for help and I took a giant leap of faith and stepped into a workshop that really helped me break through what I was believing about myself as I approached my retirement. And I stepped into a therapeutic um, training through ClearMind International and became a registered therapeutic counselor after three years and it was a journey because it was I had to dig deep into a lot of things around who I believed I was and the family system I came through uh, that doesn't actually deal with uh, mental health very well at all and it was at great risk and I would never turn back and do and do it again and I understand also that The struggles that people have are often, as Laurie and yourself, John, have said, have been a struggle to admit and even receive the help that you need, right? And so one of the niches I decided to do was to look at what retirement would mean to people who have perhaps lived their whole life with because you have your working helmet on, your working head on all the time, and this is who you believe you are, right? This person who is out there doing this job for, like I was 35 years in healthcare, and um, I actually live, I live on a beautiful piece of property. I have everything that you would say that the average person should have to feel well, to have it all together, to like what's your problem you have everything that society says you should you should have you have a retirement plan you're financially okay you have a beautiful home a relationship of 30 something years and yet you're feeling like that like what's wrong with you and when I had to actually dig deep into that it was um it was a lot of things that uh, I had not dealt with that come up from our family system where we grow up and when I could step into that and change and shift my beliefs about myself and about other and come to terms with the fact that I'm okay just the way I am and ask for help was huge for me. And having still asking for help, even though I'm a, I'm a therapeutic counselor, I still have a support group of fellow counselors. And I have my own counselor. I have a supervisor. So I realized that asking for help is a strength it's not something to be shamed of. What can people do emotionally, steps that they can take to get their heads in order to prepare themselves for retirement? You talk about putting the work helmet on. So how do you take the work helmet off? You can't just stop something you've done for 33 years. I mean, one example for me is like I woke up for a whole year at 10 past 5 in the morning because it's like you were hardwired. Who are you if you're not this working, contributing person? So the, the emotional tolls sometimes cause a lot of reflection for people. Who am I? What do I do? How do I repurpose myself? Where do I step into my all the time I have now and it takes quite a bit of reflection thought and speaking to others about that and how how they have managed that often it's reaching out to people who you respect and have uh, value for that you look to see what they've done and how they've done it to make it a purposeful fulfilling varied in all the psychological physical emotional physiological aspects of that person who's now not wearing that uh, work helmet anymore. It's quite a roller coaster. That's great, Lana. And I often hear and see retirees struggling a little bit with that lost identity. 
when leaving work. And I find that also a lot more with business owners when they put in their blood, sweat and tears into something for 30, 40 plus years and they need to walk away or they have to sell their business. It's like selling your baby almost. And so, so, (laughs) maybe that's not the right term, but it's a good, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's selling your child and and nobody wants to be in that position. But of course, eventually you save enough. And I always say, you know, it's the first time somebody's retired but I've retired a hundred times with people and going through that next stage, it can be just so difficult. So what kind of advice do you offer those that are really connected with their work or their their careers and their identity? Excellent question, because you're looking at a complex, it's a grief and loss process. You, it is like you said, this is their baby. You have grown this. You take on that persona of that business that you have grown from birth. And now you're losing a big part of yourself. So going through those grief and loss cycles will be really important to realize and accept them as normal and move through them. All the phases like the denial and the isolation, sometimes anger why did I do this? And you bargaining, the depression, and then finally acceptance. And all those cycles will come at you in different phases. It's not a linear process. So uh, we talk about that a bit later, but also it's really important about letting go of something that was just your heart and soul. And I think it's also important what I advise a lot of people. And again, I'm no counselor, but sometimes I feel like one because everyone tells me so much. But I do think it's important to take up hobbies and keep busy and I think those that have a plan for retirement, and I don't mean a financial plan. And for the first few months, most don't know uh, exactly what, how they're going to spend their day-to-day lives. And it takes uh, a bit of a transition phase. Uh, but those that, you know, want to travel or they want to spend more time with grandkids or they want to take up dancing or they, you know, want to buy an RV or a motorcycle or whatever they're going to do. But they have, you know, some goals. They continue to have goals in life. I've got a client who's 96 years old uh, and he is about to go to Prague on vacation with his wife. And so, again... Again, that's fantastic. They've got goals. He's one of the happiest retirees I've ever seen. And I've been dealing with him for, I don't know, 15 years. So what are your thoughts on that uh, about keeping busy? Well, so this keeping busy, it's almost a little bit of a salt in a wound because it seems like an easy thing to do. And I know like myself, I commuted 100 kilometers a day. It took an hour, almost three hours round trip. And when you don't have to do this anymore... You have to look at the time and keeping busy can be kind of, um, yeah, It's it, that's a very broad thing to say. So I've jotted down some things around not just doing a particular activity as you're saying, Lori, but like building a social network is really important. Rebuilding a social network. What kind of sense of community do you have in the, wherever you live, whatever that is, you had, you know, your neighbors, How are you going to feel valued? Having intellectual stimulation is imperative too. It's another very strong one. How are you going to build a sense of accomplishment and contribution into your retirement plan? What do you have as friendships? 
And as you know, many of us do commute long periods of time away from our homes and we don't have the time to put into all these aspects when we're commuting and we have two days off. I mean, I explain in my website that I had to actually stop and make friends where I live. I had to get into the community and see what the community offered me. I had to start shopping in my community. I had to build a huge network because I was like, oh my goodness me, just staring at my husband all these, this, this time is going to drive us both bonkers, right? We're going to have fist fights if we have to do that. Right? Which, which I do talk to uh, clients about too. Like, how are you going to feel when you're at home together all day long oh. when, you know, for the last 40 working years, you have not been. And so, you well, know, that, was, that is one of those questions. Yeah. You know, how can retirees adjust their routine or maintain their independence now that you're at home with your spouse during yes. the day? And, and John, I think you figured that out by continuously working now doing Ready, Set, Retire and some other jobs that you've been doing and you built uh, the sound studio down in your basement. So you're not fully retired, clearly. (laughs) No, I didn't fully retire. And it's interesting uh, listening to Lana because, I mean, if there was anyone who was, uh, who identified himself with his job and what he did, it was certainly me. And I suppose that in some sense, this is a little bit of me still hanging on to what I did for 50 plus years. I enjoy it. That helps. But um, it can be very difficult. You mentioned Lana, you know, waking up. I used to get up at three in the morning to go and do the morning show. And every morning I wake up at four, four thirty. And sometimes I get up, sometimes I don't. But if you've done it for all those years, it's difficult to break out of those habits and that, that kind of mindset. But it can be done. You can do it. I think, John, also you built such a positive reputation and uh, became a real leader in your industry. And I think that also uh, is is difficult to walk away from, right? And so, but uh, you've done an excellent job and you focus on, on the things you want to focus on when you want to. And I think that is a bit of what retirement looks like as well, right? It's just not having to work. It's choosing to work. Absolutely. Uh, Lana, the significant life changes can affect how a person feels about themselves. Uh, How would you inspire seniors to be, let's say, more confident or or boost their self-esteem? I start to be really curious about who you are where you came from, explore your, start to explore your heritage, your family, start to really understand the depth of this huge, important transition in your life and get to know yourself, who you are. Because again, as you said, John, we identify so heavily with who we are as that work person. Who do we know we are? Where do we come from? What do you know about your family? What do you know about the impact of what retirement or what their jobs were and what their roles were? And often, as you mentioned earlier, was the stigma placed upon us now that we've actually retired, right? We don't just lie in our lazy boy rockers and uh, eat bonbons and watch whatever all day long that keeps you like it's not it's so getting to know yourself is going to be really important keep current with news with family with your computer take good care of yourself really balance that out emotionally psychologically spiritually physically in all ways so reach out wherever you can it's really important to find that balance in your life now you have the time to actually do that 
and allowing yourself time to do that too. I mean, I retired from healthcare and I took a couple of years at least to build this practice to start it out. I was having a leisurely lifestyle and I remember telling my husband when I retired, just so you know, honey, I'm hitting the ground running. <laughs> John, you must have had that conversation again too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I used I used to go uh, to work and disappear into an office building. Now I disappear into the basement. The basement, yeah. yeah. Well, you're a lot closer. You can come up for air and food. So it's I do. Like, yeah. I, I go up and I have a coffee and, you know, just yeah. got to make, make sure everything's good. And then I go back down to the basement. And I laugh, John, because it's a little bit of an analogy of what I'm saying about people to getting to know yourself. What are you holding about yourself in the basement of your psyche, right? And here you are in the basement of your house. <laughs> Well, How everything I, comes together. Yes, it does. Over all those years on the radio, I uh, I think I revealed probably way more than people wanted to hear about my my struggles with uh, depression and anxiety and what have oh, you. And so yeah. everything I know about myself, uh, everybody else knows as well. Strangely, but that's good, John. I mean, that people are proud of you for for being kind of. Uh, the one who is uh, confident to talk about that in such a public way. And I'm sure you have helped more people than you can even count uh, by coming out publicly with all of uh, all of those challenges that you faced at certain times in your life. Yeah. And adding to both of you, it's like, that's what I call teaching your way out of your struggle. A good way to put it. Right. Yeah, teaching your way out of your struggle is like it's opening up to not it's no longer silent. You can no longer be silent. You know, you, that uh, it has to be spoken. It needs to be talked about. It's true for so many. And for somebody who had this, who seemingly had this beautiful, perfect life, I uh, I couldn't do it alone, right? And asking for help, it was just, whoa. It still brings up emotions for me around what that was like to break every rule in my family system. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been difficult, but that is why you're here today, helping others and, and teaching others, <laughs> yeah. right? It's all about yeah. uh, where you, the experiences that you've had. And so onto a bit of a different path here. One of the greatest tragedies in life is losing a loved one, especially losing a spouse, which I deal with frequently with clients because again, yes. with the age group that I'm working with. And they say time heals. Of course, it may lessen the amount of hurt one feels and, and loneliness, but it never goes away. And I wonder what kind of advice you have for those that have recently lost a spouse or maybe years ago and still struggle yeah. with that today. I think being able to normalize that grief is a process and letting them know it's, it is normal to having them to honor and embrace all the feelings that they're having, not to diminish anything that they are. They, because again, grief and loss, you're going to go through a wide variety of, uh, of feeling sadness, perhaps some anger that they've died, feeling guilty about it. I mean, helping them to see that this person who they had planned the rest of their life with is now they've lost them and, and they're angry at that for them and helping them integrate who they are without their partner is another big one. Who are you without that sidekick that you've been with perhaps for years? 
as a society, we don't deal well with grief, right? It's like we want people to suck it up, get over it. You, you know, you've grieved too long, move on. And mine is, it's, this is not a linear process. It's a roller coaster. And so being there for people to actually emotionally process some of that loss and grief in a way that uh, they can move forward and still keep the memory and what they had with their loved one in their hearts and and how to move forward is a big one does that make any sense it does definitely and what i always wish for people that eventually they will smile and have happiness in their life again and i have seen that time and time again that they will but it's just hard to uh, imagine especially when you say and i think it's the best way that one loses their sidekick or their pal or their best friend and whether it's been together for 20 years 30 years 40 years or whatever age you're at it still has that same impact and how that loss occurs, whether it to be expected because one falls ill to cancer or something versus something sudden. Uh, there's just no easy way, but there is hope. And I think there is happiness in people's future. I always bring my Oma into a lot of these conversations, but she is turning 102 uh, in July of this year, and she has outlived uh, three husbands, actually, and she still has been happy, and uh, she's a very positive lady, and she just happened to outlive everybody, you know, and so uh, having that conversation with her, it's really important for me to get some insight, uh, you know, from someone of her age is important. So, well, thanks for that. One of the other things that people as we age have to deal with in terms of mental health is things like memory loss and dementia and even Alzheimer's. How do you as a counselor help guide people through that? Because for a lot of people, I think it can be, and it is very, very terrifying to go through memory loss. Um, yeah, another transition, John. So many, many people struggle in some ways with mental health and to normalize that and some of the common signs of a mental health uh, condition they show up in several ways one might be low motivation uh, emotional swings like sadness one minute anger grief um, they might they might also start to have some uh, it's called labile. When people start that emotional swing they have, they might go from tears one moment. They might express some feelings of they don't know what they're doing. Confusion. Confusion. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. They also might start to increase their uh, use of substances. Alcohol, some pot. It's like legal now. People are using it a lot to cope. They might start to shop a lot. They might do excessive amounts of television. Withdrawing from family and friends and events is another one that people uh, will do. Isolation is a huge one, right? Starting to eat poorly, uh, putting on weight. Just the, all of those are some signs that things aren't okay. And for families to even recognize that or even recognize that in yourself, right? With dementia, again, because of the age group, I do see it. I don't know if often I'm the first person, but I'm one of the first people. And often I'm talking to adult children about the symptoms that I'm seeing. And I think confusion is one of them and a real personality change that I've seen quite a bit. It's just, you know, if you do notice that with a loved one, it's just important to, again, reach out to a professional, their doctor, have that conversation. Because I think a lot of people think dementia and Alzheimer's 
remembers is only memory loss, you know, and memory loss is also with age. So we don't want every person who's getting older thinking that they have Alzheimer's or dementia because that's not the case. But if you start putting these things together, I think, right, Lana, that, um, you know, it starts to maybe seem that that could be some sort of a larger illness than just memory loss. I want to mention one more thing that I forgot, and that is a loss of hearing. As people get older, they will be in denial that they're losing their hearing. And that will also create a lot of the things that I mentioned is they'll start to withdraw. I know I talked to my husband and he goes like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." I said, did you just hear what I said? And it's very frustrating too for the person in the relationship with the person with hearing loss. Yes, and I think a lot of people don't acknowledge the hearing loss and they won't wear the hearing aids uh, is what I've seen too. Um, you know, some days I'm yelling at Oma, <laughs> uh, trying to get, uh, you know, her to hear what I'm saying and then she puts on the hearing aid. Oh, that's easier. <laughs> No, really. Um, but, but, but joking aside, I have seen that with others, the withdrawing. And so then you don't know if it could be a sign or symptom of dementia or the hearing loss. And so uh, I don't know what you do about that, Lana. Is there any way to figure out that? It's also enlisting the help of your family members, too, to mention it. Because if it's coming just from the primary person that's in the relationship, they'll often feel defensive around it. So to get other people engaged in that, to say, I'm not sure if you caught that, right? Did, did, can, you, can you let me know what you, I just said? Because it's like really important to clarify. Because they'll say to you, you're mumbling, right? You mumble all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're not speaking loud enough, not clear enough. So seniors might avoid seeking treatment for mental health, fearing stigma, like what we we're talking about, thinking that getting help is sort of a, could be a sign of weakness where it really shows a sign of strength. And I think most would actually agree with that. But I think, Lana, you're right with the family system or even that generation, how you grew up was usually, you know, keep your feelings to yourself. Don't cry about it, probably. I love what you said, Lori, about asking for help as a strength. It's, it's such an important thing to remember because most of us who are seniors, uh, maybe John can relate, is that if you ask for help, you're meant to look like or believe that you're weak and pathetic. And so we, that these baby boomers that we are in the generation before us, the post-war, like the war babies, that work ethic and that there's nothing wrong here and don't say anything about it and don't tell anybody is a huge, great big stigma around mental health. And it's born of our family system and what we believe about, you know, there's nothing wrong here. So that's important to reach out and ask for help. And I see more and more boomers doing that. And I'm really proud of the the younger group. I have such a juicy, rich group of young people that come and they're like, I'm on speed dial, they say, and they pass my name around. So I'm, I'm seeing in the generations after us, the Gen Xers, etc., are all embracing mental health and getting help. So that's encouraging for, for society. Again, Lana, thanks very much for coming. We really appreciate it. You have lots of great insight. And John, I always uh, love chatting with you, and especially uh, for this show today, uh, you being such a leader uh, in mental health in our community here in Vancouver. Well, thank you. And Lana, before you go, uh, we like to get a quote from our guests that uh, we could, something we can think about, something that uh, sums up the show. So what do you have for us? I also have a movie that, people who are heading into retirement should watch too so the movie's about schmidt about schmidt jack nicholson okay and my quote is in the end only three things matter how much you loved 
how gently you lived and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, for your time and for coming on Ready, Set, Retire. We appreciate it so much. Okay, my pleasure. And our thanks to Lana Gowler from Rainforest Counseling, where she is a registered therapeutic counselor and a life and retirement transition counselor as well. If you would like to get in touch with her, check out her website, Rainforest Counseling, one word, rainforestcounseling.com. That's it for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. We'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.